This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcast. I'm your co-host, Neil Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWB, and I'm joined by Mr. Corbett Rond, a.k.a. Kobe. Mate, Kobe, how's it going? Fantastic, buddy. This is a fantastic time of year for me. It's a great time of year. It's cold outside, but that's all good because we got some hot stuff in terms of football, college. Uh, it's all happening in terms of sports. So who better to help us to run through it? Uh, then Sports Illustrated writer and Cincinnati native, Elise Jesse. Elise, how are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I love this time of year. Yeah, and <laughs> even more so in, in 2022 because Cincinnati have done it. The Bengals have done what most people outside of Cincinnati didn't think was possible, but they're going back to the Super Bowl. How does it feel? Well, as a person who covers the team, it's it's miraculous to see because I covered them for television for eight seasons, and there was so much buildup, for example, in 2015, and then they face the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC wildcard game, and they lose by two, and it was just gut-wrenching. And, you know, the Cincinnati fan base has been used to three decades of disappointment. So this is something that is well-deserved from that standpoint. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I know that the locker room and the coaches and the rest of the staff in the Bengals facility knew that they were going to get this far. But I don't think many people outside of those walls thought that this was going to happen because everyone is so used to the letdown in Cincinnati. Absolutely. And there does seem to be a different swagger about this team. If, if not mistaken, they were what, 2-14 or something like that last year. Joe Burrow's come back. He's got Jamar Chase, and they're just firing. They really are. I mean, if you think about it, this is just a wild story because Zach Taylor only won two games in his first year in 2019. He only won four games last season. And then this year, obviously, they made a ton of changes from 2020 to 2021, adding Trey Hendrickson. They made a huge addition to their staff, adding Frank Pollock to the offensive line as their coach for that position group. And of course, drafting Jamar Chase has been a huge change. And they also have health on their side. I swear, this team has not had health on their side in like a decade, it seems. Every single time they get to about December, they start racking up guys on the IR list. That's just how it's been. This is the healthiest team that I've ever covered in my career covering the team. 
And it's just, it's awesome to see. And I really think that Joe Burrow is the biggest difference maker. Um, he's changed everything about this team. And I think Cincinnati is really lucky to call a guy like that their quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't expect to win without a, like a star, basically, under center. Right. You can't expect to win. And I think it's a combination of things. I think it's the team coming together at the right time. I think it's the AFC North is in shambles. Right yes. now, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that only bodes well for the future. Regardless of what happens Super Bowl Sunday, looking ahead, the Cincinnati Bengals got to feel pretty solid about their future because of what's going on in their own division. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing is that when you have a team like they do and you have Joe Burrow on your team, you really can't count the Bengals out. I mean, Joe Burrow is a difference maker, not only in the locker room, but also out on the field. I mean, the kid only has three seconds, less than three seconds before pressure is really coming at him in every single game. And he was sacked nine times against Tennessee and he still found a way to put his team in a position to win the game. There were times and moments, I mean, even last week where he should have been sacked and he somehow got away from, I think it was Chris Jones coming after him, got away from Chris Jones and managed to make a play out of that situation. I mean, the kid is just fantastic. And of course, his connection with Jamar Chase has been electric. And I don't think I've seen any duo like that that's been that good, especially in Cincinnati in a really long time. True. And I think T. Higgins is just a phenomenal Wide receiver as well, and it opens things up for Jamar Chase. So the the combination of the two, I think, is fantastic. Something I wanted to ask you, because this goes back a little bit now, but not not too far back. And you didn't hear much of it after the draft, but there was a lot of controversy surrounding Joe Mixon when he came in because of things that happened in college. Yeah. How did Cincinnati take to him once he became part of the Bengals? So I interviewed him the day after he was drafted. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, when he was drafted, that video was everywhere all over the internet. I mean, he could not escape the questions. And there, it seemed like that day there was additional media at Paul Brown Stadium to interview Joe Mixon because he was such a controversial pick. Yep. And I remember sitting down with him and asking him, you know, what his mom had to say about that. And he mentioned just how disappointed his mother was about the whole situation. But honestly, from my dealings with Joe Mixon over the years, he, it's so funny because the first thing that I've ever seen about Joe Mixon was that video that popped up. Mm-hmm. And then f- since then, I mean, he has been nothing but kind, respectful, just like a fantastic player in the NFL to deal with. And that's not what anybody expected coming in. But he has really turned it around. He's kept it clean. And honestly, I'm really happy for him because when he was drafted – He faced a lot of controversy. There was a lot of just things swirling around him that were not football related. And on top of that, he never really got a chance to experience a winning season until this year. That's right. So it's been losing season after losing season and injuries and controversy. And now he's finally experiencing some joy and some fun and really the opportunity of a lifetime that a lot of guys in the NFL don't get a chance to experience playing in the Super Bowl. See, I personally think on the offensive side of the ball currently, right now, I think he's the most important piece. I think he's actually a more important piece than even Joe Burrow at this point because he's what allows Joe Burrow to have some play action, have some 
a little bit of pressure taken off him in certain situations. I think without Mixon, you don't go to the Super Bowl. I agree with you. Without without Joe Mixon, it um, obviously their offense is very one dimensional. Without Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon is one of the biggest reasons why they are able to do what they do. And Frank Pollock is another side of that that he really helps Joe Mixon. He's he's the offensive line coach. But he doesn't just work with the offensive line. I've been told from other players that he spends a lot of time working with the running backs to show them where the gaps are and when to hit those gaps to be successful, to break off with those big explosive runs. And I remember when Frank Pollock decided to leave when uh, Zach Taylor was hired in 2019 and Joe Mixon was upset about it when Frank Pollock decided to go. And then when the front office decided to hire Frank Pollock back this offseason, I mean, he was elated. And I understand why, because, you know, he's eclipsing a thousand yards. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, that's a great point. Actually, that's a point that probably goes missed by most people. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to agree with both of you. I think Joe, Joe Mixon is a key not only for this season that's come to this point, but I think he'll be key in the Super Bowl just quietly. I feel like if he can get a big chunk of uh, yards that the the Bengals are well on the way to potentially win the Super Bowl. But I just wanted to talk about the defense side of the ball. Now, the Bengals have a pretty star-studded secondary. They've got guys like Trey Waynes, Von Bell, Jesse Bates made a huge play. He's made a couple of huge plays this postseason. But the main guy I want to talk about is the edge defender, Trey Hendrickson. How much of an impact has he made coming in this season? Oh my gosh, he has been absolutely huge. He's He's been more productive this season than he was at one of his most productive points in his career when he was with the Saints last year. He signed with the Bengals in March, and when defensive line coach Marion Hobby was hired on staff in January of last year, I remember him mentioning that they still had a few areas where they needed to add in order to really be an effective defensive line. And Trey Hendrickson was then signed, I think it was less than 60 days after Marion Hobby uh, accepted the job. And not only that, but when you talk about the defensive line, you also talk about the fact that DJ Reader is also healthy. He had that quad mm-hmm. injury last year, which ended his season. And a lot of people, even him, I mean, no one really knew if he was going to be able to come back and play at the same level. And it seems like this year he's actually playing at a more elevated level than he was in 2020 before he got hurt. So, and Sam Hubbard, of course, is, is just a monster out there as well. I mean, they're, they're a real problem for any quarterback. And it's fun to watch, fun to see. And they also hold each other accountable, which goes a long way on the field. There we go. There we go. That leadership on the field, it definitely, uh, it's a tide that raises all the boats. Now, yes. <laughs> staying in the same vein of boats, there have been some pretty flashy personalities during your time covering the Bengals. I'm thinking of guys <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> TJ Husmanzada, Shadow Chosinko, slash Johnson, uh, Andy Dalton. <laughs> Carson Palmer, Vontez Burfick, can't forget Vontez. Who's been the most entertaining or the most, uh, I guess, fun guy to cover or interview while you cover the Bengals? Oh, man. The most entertaining? I think the most entertaining just purely because what came out of his mouth was always so unexpected. Seriously, when you asked him a question, you did not know what he was going to say or what he was going to pop off about. And that was Adam Pacman Jones. 
Oh, yes. You never knew what the heck this guy was going to say. And he was just like, sometimes he was just so funny. And Drake Kirkpatrick was another one who was hilarious to interview. Tyler Boyd can be very much that way, especially when you're off Zoom and you're actually in the locker room. I mean, these guys, to me, in my opinion, having been in the locker room and now on Zooms, they are completely different when they're inside the locker room. And it's mm-hmm. it's a lot more fun, a lot more jovial. They crack jokes. They make fun of each other during interviews. Jeremy Hill was another one who was funny. He was just kind of like a guy that got under the other guy's skin and would just poke fun at them in the middle of an interview. Who else was funny? Carlos was a funny one. Andrew Whitworth was always the guy that you would go to when you needed a really good soundbite and you needed it to be clear and concise and you needed to make sure that it like hit all the all the points for your story you would go to Andrew Whitworth and that kind of stuff too nice and it's ironic that you mentioned Andrew Whitworth because well he's on the other side now going to the Super Bowl (laughs) crazy right yeah it's it's not even that but even someone like AJ Green it was about this time 12 months ago that He'd been traded to the Cardinals, and it seemed like he was going in search of success and a trip to the Super Bowl, and yep. the grass isn't greener. <laughs> the grass isn't greener on the other side by the looks of things. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, you see, you talk about these guys who were, I mean, Andrew Whitworth spent 11 seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals before he signed with the Rams. And I remember when all of that was going down in 2017, the Bengals' front office referred to Andrew Whitworth as old at that time. And now he is 40, starting at left tackle, and I believe this is his second Super Bowl trip in four years with the Rams since he left Cincinnati. So Andrew Whitworth is one of those guys who's been able to experience multiple years of success. So obviously happy for him, and um, his his family has done a lot for the city of Cincinnati. I know the city of Cincinnati is, still loves Andrew Whitworth and his wife, uh, Melissa. They were kind of pillars in the city for a really, really long time. And the city still, I mean, they still grasp on to A.J. Green. He was a great player for a long time. Geno Atkins, great player for a long time. It's just, it's wild to see that wave of players exit and the brand new era of players enter and have so much success and really not even worry about the past, you know, the losses and the disappointment. They just go out, they play football, and that's all they know. There we go. Now, I know I suspect you may be biased with this next question, but I'm going to ask anyway. <laughs> Is Zach Taylor the coach of the year for this season? You know what? Considering how horrible the locker room was last year, I mean – I was getting FaceTimes and calls and text messages constantly last year. I mean, guys were just unhappy. They weren't, they weren't thrilled with the positions they were in on the field. They weren't pleased with some of the coaches, just weren't gelling exactly. And all of the changes that the front office and Zach Taylor have made, I think he has evolved tremendously from year one and two to this year. I think he has learned a lot and I think he has grown a lot and I think he's done a lot in year three and that needed to happen because you go from only winning six games in your first two years to now winning 10 and headed to the Super Bowl. I think that makes a big difference. You can see that on the field basically is what I'm trying to say is the production from his players that he's getting. That's it. No, I, He's my coach of the year. I won't lie. I think so. You know what? I would not be disappointed if he got coach of the year. Yeah, it'll be be well-deserved. Absolutely. A hundred percent he'll be in the running. That's for certain. Yeah, you'd expect him to. 
And something you mentioned, that I, I kind of like the way you put it, is people look at the Bengals and you think about all of the, the losses. You think right. about the seasons that were just throwaways. But when you look at this team, you don't. You, you really don't. I think all the changes that were made, it's, it's almost like they're distanced from what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. And even the last couple of seasons, it was just development. And you could see it because there's a lot of games that they came close to winning in those seasons. Those those records are not as bad <laughs> as as they may have seemed. So it's kind of cool to see them have the success and now they're on their way to the Super Bowl. But is Cincinnati a Bengals town or is it a Reds town? Oh, gosh. Um, it's definitely both. I mean, there's love for both of these teams. But I mean, I remember when well, the old school Bengals, they would also they would always mention how Cincinnati was a baseball town. They felt like Cincinnati was more into baseball. But they I don't know if all of them realized at the time that Cincinnati is one of the oldest towns in baseball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so there's there's certainly a ton of love for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, the whole city just lights up when they do well. And they've had more reasons to light up for the Reds in the last few decades. But of course, I mean, they're all going crazy over the Bengals right now. And it's nice not to hear those jokes because in the past, the Bengals either wouldn't make the playoffs or they would choke in the playoffs. And right after that would happen, everyone in the city would start this joke of, well, at least it's basketball season because college <laughs> basketball is such a fun time. They yeah. would always say, at least we have basketball. That's the one joke that I have not heard in this city all year. And it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be refreshing. It's a uh, thank yes. God. Thank God it's March, basically. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. So, okay, so they're they're both really – both teams are welcomed. And, oh, yeah. I mean, if you look around, do you see billboards with Joe Burrow on them? I mean, every – you should see people wearing those um, – well, they're knockoff versions, but the knockoff versions of Cartier glasses that he wore in an interview. Yeah. People wearing black turtlenecks. Like, they're suddenly just <laughs> using Joe Burrow as, like, a fashion statement and taking after that. It's really funny to see. I'm certainly enjoying it. I mean, Joe Burrow is probably the biggest name in the city right now. Yeah, and I think part of it also comes from the fact that the AFC North is not a quiet division. No, not at all. It's one of the divisions where the teams tend to talk a bit about their opponents. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Who who does Cincinnati consider their biggest rival? Certainly the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that I remember talking to a player. I forget. Gosh, I forget who it was. But I I just remember the, the conversation because he came over and he was with the Steelers and he came over and he was a Bengal. And he just was basically reflecting on his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he was just like, I remember being with the Steelers and we hated the Bengals guts. And now I'm with the Bengals, and we hate Pittsburgh's guts. <laughs> it is. It has been such a tumultuous rivalry, and I think that's that is because every single time, for a long, long time, every single time these two teams would face off, it was so overly physical. Yeah. And there were so many injuries that that came from these games. I mean, you remember when Heinz Ward. <laughs> Broke Keith Rivers' jaw, um, Kevin Huber getting injured, Giovanni Bernard going down, Le'Veon Bell injured. I mean, it's guys would drop like flies. You would expect to see three or four guys on IR after those matchups. 
That's right. Whoever they have next in the schedule is celebrating, basically. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because they know they're going to do so much damage to each other the week before, you're going to have an easy one the following Sunday. I mean, they were always low scoring, and they were physical, and they were just like a brutal, brutal game every single, every single time, every year. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters for the most current sports news. Now back to the show. True. So actually, I want to I want to talk a bit about the about the college basketball. Did you cover that? I did. Yes, I did for many years. Okay, so you've got a number of big colleges that are always involved in your neighborhood. Who do you Mm -hmm. follow now? Is it tied to your alma mater or are there a couple of teams that you like from a kid? Well, my husband works with the men's basketball team for the University of Cincinnati. Okay, so that's that's biased. (laughs) (laughs) So completely biased. If there, I don't. You're gonna laugh because the only fan gear that I have that represents any team in the city outside of the Reds is UC because that's the team that we're fans of. Because we could be fans of that team. The other teams I've I've covered so extensively in my career. So yeah, UC is definitely our uh, our household <laughs> team. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Obviously, you can't you can't stray anything that's in, on record. So. Just let that one slide. (laughs) Now, Elise, just staying with the Bearcats, now that I've been (laughs) notified that you're such a big fan, is the football team finally getting some respect? They are. And I mean, man, when you talk about Cincinnati sports disappointments, you also have to link in the Cincinnati Bearcats football team because Tommy Tuberville, I remember that there were, when I was working for TV at this time, there would be high school coaches who would come up and they would mention how they thought that there was so much talent within the city and the players within the city just didn't seem to be recruited by Tommy Tuberville at the time. And then Luke Fickle comes in and the first place that he looks for talent is right here in Cincinnati in his own backyard. And I think that that has done wonders for him. And he has had to work to get this team to where it is. He's got buy-in. He's got the leadership. He's got the talent. I I mean, is anyone surprised that Luke Fickle did this? No, not at all. But everyone is certainly very excited that he's been able to accomplish. Putting together a team like we've seen this past year has been a lot of fun. There we go. And, yeah, the last couple of seasons they've been, they've been going on a bit of a tear yeah, I would have liked to have seen them go all the way to the the, the national championship game, but not to be. Me Hopefully, too. they can get back there next season. And you're also an award winner in your own right. You've won an Emmy Award for broadcasting. So tell us, Elise, what are some of the things you need to do to be, go from being a good journalist to a great journalist? A good to a great journalist, I would say, um, worry less about yourself. And really pay attention to what people are saying and go into each story trying to learn something new about that person and connect it to the human aspect of things. You know, every single athlete that you interview or you have a story with has a connection with something that they, you know, they're so good. Everyone talks about their stats or their game winner, but what have they sacrificed in order to be in that position to put themselves there? Things like sacrifice and family and just connecting stuff like that to 
what everybody else in the city can connect to because everybody else in the city is not a star player (laughs) Mm -hmm. on a college team or on a professional team. But if you can connect it to hard work and sacrifice and things that everybody else understands and knows, I think that goes a long way as far as storytelling. All right. I like the sound of that. Nice. And did you always want to be in sports broadcasting or was there a different uh, wing of journalism that you were in beforehand? I actually wanted, when I was in college, I wanted to be a pediatrician. (laughs) So in college, I took classes like organic chemistry and (laughs) biology and all of these classes that have absolutely zero to do with sports broadcasting. And I remember my senior year, I took a, a speech class And I had a lot of fun with it. I took some writing classes and I had a lot of fun with that. And I decided to get my minor in communications. And I told my parents like, yeah, I'm going to go after sports journalism. And that's a obvious difference from wanting to go the medical route. And they just kind of said, all right, good luck. Go ahead and do it. (laughs) So I called Channel 5, the local station in Cincinnati my senior year. I called them every day for two weeks begging for an interview for an internship that did not pay any money. Finally landed that interview, got the free internship, and followed George Vogel, who I would eventually work with, and took my first job in Great Falls, Montana for sixteen grand a year and worked there for just under a year before I was called back to Cincinnati to work at the station I inter- interned for. So... It was a lot of uh, sacrifice, not making a lot of money, and I just kept your head. I just kept my head down, kept working. I could barely afford food at that time, like in Montana, after rent and paying my phone bill and my rent and all this stuff, because like I didn't have parents who just like funded me, right? So I would buy a tub protein mix for twenty bucks at the store, and that's what I lived off of. That and a bushel of bananas. <laughs> Until I eventually made enough money in Cincinnati to buy a proper meal. <laughs> no, I I am a huge fan of protein powder. So no, I, you got no you got no objections from me. All, all I'm oh, hearing I is, am. <laughs> I am too. I'm all about the protein mix, but I also like real food. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Yeah, the protein mix is meant to be a meal a meal supplement. Supplement, <laughs> yes. Not not like your whole entire diet. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I I gotta ask. I gotta ask. So, what did you cover in Great Falls, Montana? Oh man, um, high school basketball, eight man football, six man football, uh, the rodeo, a lot of stuff that <laughs> <The> rodeo. <laughs> I did cover the the rodeo is big out there. You would be surprised. Like so this is how I this is how I judged it basically. People in Montana knew who the cowboys were and like the cowboys were celebrities, right? In okay. that area of town. And I'm like, "Okay, this is what it would be like for a professional football player." Yes. That's the regard that they hold these cowboys in. And I don't have, you know, the same respect for a guy who can wrestle a steer for the kind of guy who can bring down a quarterback. The rodeo is just not exactly my thing. I have more <laughs> respect for a guy who can bring down a quarterback. But um, in Montana, it's different. You yeah, got to love him for it. Very much so. Are you an equestrian? No. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. <laughs> and what is six-man football? 
So some of these towns in Montana would not have, so I'll, I'll give it to you this way. In Montana, I was told by a clerk at a gas station that there are 3.5 cows for each person who lives in Montana. So some of these towns in that state would not have enough kids at their school to form a full football team to play 11 man football. That's crazy. So they just, they just had to resort to eight and six man football because that's all that, that was their only choice. See, now, now I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's got to significantly favor the running backs and wide receivers, right? <laughs> yeah. So imagine driving three hours one way in a blizzard to go cover six man football and then drive three hours back in that same blizzard. Good times. I hope it was a good game. <laughs> well, you never actually got to see the end of it because you had to scurry back to make sure that those highlights actually got on the air. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting time. I learned a lot about myself that year. <laughs> you must have a ton of stories from that time. Just the fact that, yeah, 3.5 cows per person. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let that sink in. So, so knee is Australian, <laughs> actually. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's yes, from the outback. No, no, I'm not. I'm not from the outback. Right? Is it the outback? The, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Is the outback the country? Is that how? Yeah, you, the how outback, it's yeah, that's like the the rural areas. Uh, okay, it's probably a little bit more harsher than the rural areas, but there is some correlation. It, it's um, it's definitely off the beaten path. That's for sure. <laughs> but Kobe, you're gonna say something. Please finish. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. I, I can um, see you're getting a little bit hot. No, no, I'm not upset. I'm not upset. I, I just, I just want you to finish, and then I'll shut you down. <laughs> now, hearing about the, your experience in Montana, that does remind me a little bit of New Zealand, a place I've been to. I think they have something like 3.5 sheep to every person in the country. So, so that's what you were getting at. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I'm like, wait, how does this tie into Australia? I, I, I assume <laughs> that's what you. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to tie, tie an end on that bow. But um, it, Montana does sound a little bit like Alberta, and they have the Calgary Stampede out there. Have you tried a dish called a poutine before? A what? Poutine? Am I right, Kobe? Poutine. Poutine. Poutine? No. I've never even heard of that. Okay, so it's like fries with gravy and cheese curds. Squeaky cheese. Interesting. I've had cheese curds before and fries, obviously, but not mixed together. Oh, you definitely have to try it. It's, it's a French, it's a Quebec uh, delicacy, but the whole country's adopted it, and it's it's joy. I don't, I don't know how any food that involves fries and cheese curds could be bad. There you I've go. Heard- there you go. I've heard some people knocking it. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I don't associate something like that. I don't associate with those people, but I have heard those sentiments. I don't trust people who don't like cheese. That's that's a big thing. If they if you don't like cheese, you're not in my inner circle. <laughs> I cannot agree more with that. That's yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with that too, hundred percent. I love cheese. <laughs> Okay, this makes me feel really good about this interview then. <laughs> I was debating whether or not I needed to hang up with you guys right now or not. No, no. I, 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 sc- I went through your social media and I thought, yes, yeah, she's someone that would probably be down for food. She has foodie in her Instagram, at Elise Jesse TV. So, yeah, this is going to be a good guest to have on. <laughs> yeah, I cook a lot. Cooking, yeah. and, cooking and food is a big thing for me. 
There we go. I'm all about it. I've beaten an offensive lineman in, in an eating contest before. So. <laughs> okay, so we have to know about that. So, what was the food, and can you disclose the name of said lineman? Yeah, um, he's gotten hell for it ever since. <laughs> he's a great dude. He's an offensive lineman. Um, he played for the University of Cincinnati and went on to play in the NFL. His name is Corey Cunningham. We called him Big Country. So he, I mean, there's a picture somewhere on my Instagram, but he is massive compared to me. I think he's like six, seven, 300 something pounds. And I kept hearing, I had just beaten my producer in a hot dog eating contest like a few months prior. And ever since that happened, people started coming up to me and they're like, I bet you couldn't beat Corey. I bet there's, there's no way you could beat Corey in an eating contest. I'm like, bring it on. Don't give me a challenge. Cause I will, <laughs> I'll tackle that challenge any day, any night. So we, I finally link up with Corey and I'm like, what do you want to eat? And he goes, I bet you can't eat a Chipotle burrito. And I'm like, so Chipotle, they make, they're known for making these massive burritos. I mean, sometimes these burritos are like as big as your head, which this burrito was. And we go to Chipotle together and he gets a double wrap, double chicken, double bean. Like this thing was huge. And I beat him on time. <laughs> and <laughs> he was not exactly thrilled about it. I think he thought that I would be an easy win just because of my stature and just like a tall, thinner type athletic build. And he was expecting to beat me handily and it just didn't happen. <laughs> Anything involving food, any food contest, I'm usually, I can usually pull that off. No, I, I love my food, but, and I love eating food, but I'm, I'm not going to throw down. I'm, I thought about it. I thought, no, no, I'm just going to enjoy the food. Um, well, I enjoy the food unless you challenge me. Kobe might. Challenging. That's about winning. Yeah, I would there take. I would. I take that challenge. No problem. I love Chipotle. By the way, they're great. Oh, okay. You could do. We could do like a virtual challenge. You'd lose. I'm undefeated. So take that All into right. account. I'll be in your corner, Kobe. Of course Just- you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be. I'll be right behind you, probably eating some nachos or something. <laughs> you go, man. I got you. What do you think of this growth and success of the WNBA? You know what? I don't watch much of the WNBA. I think the growth of it is great. I watch a lot of, I mean, when my husband gets home from work, like we watch a lot of college basketball. I watch a lot of football. I watch baseball, but that's pretty much what I stick to, to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Because there's that like a WNBA team that I would follow. And there's not really an NBA team that I necessarily follow either, though, so. Oh, you're not into the Cavs? Uh, Cavaliers? I mean, I'm not against the Cavaliers. I'd root for players, I guess I would say. Like, I, I root for guys, local guys like Luke Kennard. I'll root for him. He He's a local guy. Was drafted by Detroit. I like LeBron James. I like KD. Who else do I like? I'm trying to figure it out. Obviously, when I was younger, I loved watching Jordan. Yeah. But that's about it. Like, I'm not a huge NBA person. That's fair enough. Especially if there's no tangible presence where you are. It's it's harder compared to, say, the college team, right? Especially in your position where the college team is right in your face every every day. Yeah. So, like, the Cavaliers are four hours away. Mm-hmm. And I guess the Pacers. The Pacers aren't super far. They're in Indiana, but... It's still not. I haven't gone to a, a Cavaliers game or anything like that. 
your your answer has become a popular one too though it, even people who have teams that are local to them it isn't necessarily about teams anymore a lot of people it's about following certain players and that's it and wherever they go it doesn't matter yeah yep same way well i mean i like watching the nba in the playoffs but not i'm not going to watch the regular season i'd rather watch a college game in the regular season or a baseball game something like that okay where can our fans find you on social media, at least? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TV, And that's pretty much where I am most of the time. I don't do much Facebook. <laughs> Although you could find me on there, too. No, no TikTok? I mean, I don't do TikToks. I'll look at it, <laughs> but you're going to make fun of me because I, I go on TikTok to find, you know, recipes and stuff like that. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Has, has that become a thing on TikTok? Oh, yeah. It's it's just like something quick, like something healthy and quick that you can just whip up. There's always something like that on TikTok that you can find. I don't go on there for the dances and all that crap because that's just a waste of time in my eyes. But recipes, yes. Some of those are gold. Okay. That's what I'll tell people from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, on there looking, I'm on there looking for breakfast, really. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't really care if Joe Schmo can twerk to a certain song. But I do care if, like, Mary can make a, a 10-minute meal. There we go. There we go. What are your thoughts on NILs and, I guess, college players now having the ability to make money off their likeness? I think this is a long time coming. I think it's crazy that college players were looked at as amateurs and yet they were expected to give so much of their college life to their respective sport. And they couldn't even sign an autograph and make five bucks. They get busted for that. Yeah. I think that it's awesome. And I think that considering the amount of work that they put into their sport and considering how much universities and schools benefit off of those players' names, I think the players should have been for a very long time now been able to benefit off of their own name as well. So I have zero problems or issues with this. I think that it it should have been, this should have happened a very long time ago for these guys. Yeah. And uh, you can see doors opening and hopefully it continues. I mean, some I, I did hear a suggestion that, oh, maybe the players won't be as motivated because they're getting paid, but no, considering the fact that they're putting their bodies on the line the way they have, I think it's I think it's very fair and like you say, it's a long time coming. It was a pleasure talking to you, Elise. It was great talking to you guys too. Thank you so much for having me on. No worries. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.